Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, who have given us an unprecedented two wins since the last show, the Toast of Edinburgh. Once again, we're all about the positivity this week. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined, I'm sure, by a, a jubilant Mark Donaldson. Oh yes, oh yes. I had to say to the wife, can I borrow your phone? She's like, why? I said I wanted to Google pumping, spanking, and thumping, and I'm not doing it on my work phone. And I wanted, <laughs> I wanted a thesaurus of various other ways of get it right up them. Um, yeah, so this will not be a, a sexually uh, enhanced hour or so, <laughs> but um, you can forgive us for being slightly aroused by what we saw at Easter Road and against Rangers. Oh, indeed, this is this is getting saucy already. Woof! Um, Woof! And, and, we, and we asked last time the now. Um, irrelevant question of what would you take? A win against Rangers in the Scottish Cup quarter-final or a win against Hibernian in the league? And we got both. So it doesn't matter. We can we can have our cake and we can eat it too, Mark. Please don't fuck up now. <laughs> because after the Rangers win in the league, you thought, right, that's it. Corner turned. Good performance. Great. The riding high and momentum and everything and then custard pie so that was why that was why the Hibs result was so big because it followed it up that's momentum that's confidence that's players enjoying their football again and you know what Laurie it's fans enjoying going to the football again because Mm -hmm. this has been tough it's been tough to do podcasts it's been tough to go to games it's been tough to be enthusiastic about our football team but that's given us a glimmer of hope that's that's helped us fall back in love I'll tell you what there's a theme here (laughs) <laughs> um, that's helped us fall back in love with, with our football goal. It's, it's, it's the whole husband and wife thing. Yeah, I might love you, but I don't like you right now. And, and, and that's pretty much what, it, what it's been. Um, we'll always love our football club, um, but we're back in love with them after these two. And you can always divorce your wife, though. You can't really do that with your football club, can you? It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, <laughs> You're just, I, I you're think... just thinking about that now. <laughs> well, yeah. No, no, sure. no. I'm, I'm thinking it's been about six weeks since we last mentioned Believe, the book way back when. And there was a, I think it's either in the intro or whatever, I said Hearts is a roller coaster. Um, you can't get off while it's moving and it never stops. So you're basically tied to it forever. And that that's the way it is. And I watched a wonderful 15-minute YouTube um, clip, video, whatever it was, from a couple of boys from down south um, from Bolt, I think, I don't know if they're father and son or whatever, and they go uh, to... Yeah, yeah, I know. That. They went oh, to the Rangers they went 2-1 to... league game as well. Didn't they? Right, well, yeah, and recently they've been going to Derby, so they were uh, the, the young kid who filmed a lot of the stuff was in Belgrade um, recently for the Derby there, and then they both uh, they both came up from down south for, for this one, and they were in the away end. And, and you know what was really interesting? Because we've spoken before about the jobs that we do on a match day. Um, as, as commentators, and we'll get onto this as well because I want to hear your thoughts on on how safe you felt, health and safety wise, when you screamed in their faces when the third goal went in from Connor Washington <laughs> from your position at the back of the main stand, and you were the only one apart from everyone else in the media who was shouting. But you're fortunate in that you can remember pr- fairly recently um, when you were behind the goal in the away end. That's somewhere I've never been. Because I've always been commentating since it got done up. Yeah. Since it got yeah. done up, I, I, I was there when Foster scored, when Leighton had his legs shut and he still managed to nutmeg him. Um, but I've never been in that away end uh, as a Hearts fan 
in an Edinburgh derby. And to just it, it, it just encapsulated everything of the joys. And, and there's been a lot of despair, but that for me, um, that took me somewhere I've, I've, I've never been before. I've never, I've never been there in that stand um, because I've been commentating and I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I was sitting smiling, I had a tear in my eye when the third goal went in. Because for me, that third goal, that was when I kind of thought, <laughs> we're not screwing this up. And even in your commentary, you're like, hey, wait, wait a minute, we were 4-0 up against Celtic and we still didn't feel. That was the <laughs> goal that I kind of thought, yeah, we're, we're good now. I can enjoy the last 15 minutes. And um, in terms of, it, it's funny you're mentioning, um, obviously a couple of people visiting for the, the game. Uh, the Norwegian chap, you'll remember I mentioned him on the podcast around the cup final time, came over for yeah. came over for the cup final. Um Met up with him because he was coming over on his own. So Christian, Christian Vallen, who's from Larvik in Norway, has followed Hart since he saw them against Bayern Munich. Um, he's come over on his own a few times. So we met up with him. Nice guy. Went out for a few drinks. He came over for this one and took three of his friends from Norway. None of them who are Hearts fans, by the way. And they, they all got tickets in the away end. Um, and uh, funnily enough, I only got back about an hour and a half ago before recording this from meeting up with him again today. Um, good bunch of lads. Uh, Christian, who's followed Hearts for over 30 years, loves following them from afar. One of them who's apparently a, a, a breakdancing champion, or came fifth, at least anyway, in Norway. Uh, what else have we got? One of them went for a haircut in the grass market on a two-day trip to Edinburgh. Don't know, bit random. Um, what, what else did we have? The other one coaches football, youth football, and he was really interested in the tactical side, although he was very surprised at how many long balls were played and, <laughs> in Scottish football and said it was like watching English football in the 90s again. But just interesting to see how these guys all came over and they loved the experience. One of the things they said they like about Scottish football over the English side is the fact that it's still very raw, very passionate. It feels like maybe what English football did in the 90s, not just the way it's played, but in terms of the the passion in the stands. It's not all about phones and tourists there. Um, and they, they, yeah. they loved it. They loved it. They were in the artisan before. I met up with them for drinks afterwards. They spent £200 in the heart shop before the game. Oh, wow. An, an, extra, an extra 50 quid and you get an actual first team jersey. Indeed. And do you know what? It's funny. They actually um, they said, they, they showed me pictures with Gary Locke. They said, Gary Locke came out. And they went, oh, Gary how you doing? And Gary apparently went over and said, oh, where he's from, was really interested and took photos with him. And they're like, oh, it just feels like we're really part of it, which you don't get when you're one of the many tourists going to English games. Um, so just a shout out to them. They were they, they were all terrific. They enjoyed the game. And um, yeah, what a game to pick. Christian said it's his first Edinburgh Derby Easter Road. He doesn't want to go again because he wants to keep this as the, the one memory of a game at, at Easter Road. <laughs> The big problem here, though, is Scottish football gives with one hand and takes with the other, and it gave us three points last night. And while we were recording this, Hamilton have just scored at Ibrox. <laughs> I just—it's oh, it's that. just a boot in the balls. I mean, like, this is—it's not quite live tweeting um, because this when happens you every to this, week. Just now. It, it does. We've had what did we have? We had the Motherwell St Mirren a couple of times, and now we've got Rangers Hamilton. The, the, come on, come, Rangers! I know you're not doing very well of late, apart from in Europe. Just pretend you're playing Braga or pretend you're playing Leverkusen or whatever because you're better that way. Rangers nil, Hamilton won right now. And, oh, come on. Come, come on. Don't do not do this to us. Not now. Not now. We're, we're on a little – we're on a pedestal. We're on a shelf right now, high above all the misery. We're in a happy place right now. Don't screw this up for us. 
I'm I'm just looking at that scoreline and just thinking, just before we came on air, I said, wouldn't it be typical of the way the season's going that after the high of last night, Hamilton would go and do something at Ibrox? And there's still, yeah. there's still over half an hour left in it, but bloody hell, that's typical. So yeah, hopefully by the end, because all the games will have finished uh, before we've record, finished recording, because it's um, been goals everywhere apart from St Mirren, St Johnston, um, which is, I guess, the other game that we might have one eye on Motherwell are opponents at the weekend winning 2-1 as we speak and Celtic behind to, to Livingston so interesting we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and hopefully we'll give you a, I'll say we'll give you a Rangers goal soon I mean you'll, you'll know the score by the time you listen to this shut up Laurie anyway we will talk about Heart of Midlothian against Rangers and of course Hibernian against Heart of Midlothian in this week's podcast So first up, let's start with the Scottish Cup. Um, Hearts, only second Scottish Cup game against Rangers since the 98 final, and it would end up being their first Scottish Cup win against Rangers since the 98 final. Um, So looking at the team, there was four changes to the side that drew with Aki's a fortnight prior. Um, Oli Bazanic, uh, Loic Demur, Lewis Moore and Connor Washington all came in and out went Jamie Walker, Andy Irving, Liam Boyce and Uche Ikpiezu. Uh, now what we're going to do this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to get some tactical analysis from the Maroon Report. So this is a chap called Gary on Twitter who puts out some pretty good information, interesting analysis of the game. So I thought rather than uh, Mark and I kind of fumble around with that side of things, let's let's uh, hand it over to Gary who you can follow on Twitter at hearts uh, report is in fact it's at underscore hearts report i should say so um before we get into the what happened in the rangers game we'll, we'll go through this so he said a 4-2-3-1 and the big thing he uh, picked out from the rangers win was the defensive organization and the demure bazanic double pivot um so he said daniel stendel's solution to the team's soft center the midfield in this game was interesting as stendel opted for demure and bazanic the coaching staff opted for a compact and aggressive double pivot in front of the defence, defending in a medium block. So looking at it, it means that Demur and Bozanic uh, were man-orientated in the defending, often uh, marking opponents when they'd come into the central midfield zone. It's actually been um, a bit of a classic zonal marking where they mark the players closest to them in their zone. Most importantly, though, has been the way they've worked together. This is when one pressed, the other covered, and they always stay close to each other. And this gave perfect protection in front of the back four, and especially the centre-backs in the dangerous number 10 space. Um, Gary goes on to say, the most interesting development I noticed with the pair was the defensive balance if our full-backs were high and out of position. When Rangers were in attacking and Hearts were in transition from attack to defence, uh, Demure in particular would drop into the half space and cover the vulnerable area, especially against Kent, who is obviously quite dynamic in attack. Um, the defence, uh, the team defended in a medium defensive block, so the defence played around 25 to 30 metres from goal instead of the high defensive one we've seen often, and Stendhal used positional pressing with triggers, usually by Naismith, which the team followed. This differs from the all-out aggressive press in previous matches, creating a massive unbalance. So he's analysed a few other positional moments, but I think the main thing there, which is a very good point, we, we saw in games, you know, especially I think the Kamarnik home game, we were hopelessly exposed in the wide areas because of the way we were gung-ho with, with full-backs. And because of how high the line was, it was very obvious from the Rangers game. 
we weren't quite as high. We were certainly a bit more reserved. And very surprisingly, Oli Bazanic and Loic Demur were really impressive because I will admit, and um, I mentioned to you, I think, in a WhatsApp, when I looked at the team, I can't say I was overly excited to see them in there, but happy to say I was proven wrong. And obviously it happened over the two games. But it's interesting to see him adapt like that because it's very different from that complete gung-ho, all-press, all-attack, constant high line, which we saw initially. Yeah, a couple of things about this. One, I'm going to take you back to Saturday morning, something you've just referenced, the WhatsApp message I sent you at 11.21. Simply said, Bozanic, Damour, and Moore. Question mark, question mark, with a little emoji of a uh, whatever he is, scratching his, his kind of head. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and it's total hypocrisy. And then afterwards, you get two of the three combining for, for the only goal. Um, so, yeah, that's what football fans are. We're hypocrites. We, we, how many times have we blasted a team and then they've ended up winning? And how many times have we thought, that's a great team and they've lost? It's just, I'm, I'm going to stop messaging people when the team comes in. I'm just going to accept it and, and see where we go. Um, so there's that. The second thing I want to talk about is, is Daniel Stendhal. And a few weeks ago, um, probably for two or three episodes, we spoke about, does he have a plan B? This is, this is what he does. This is the kind of style he plays. And we weren't sure if he has a plan B. And I think we have seen over the last two, three weeks, he does indeed not just have a plan B, but he can do horses for courses. That tells me a lot about him as well. Indeed. And um, I mean, the first half, I thought hearts were decent. Um, And over the course of the game, I thought they really ended up taking the game to Rangers. Interesting, though, we had the blow, what felt like a blow 20 minutes in, when John Souter, who's just had really no luck, um, he, he doesn't feel like he's managed to get back to his best since his injury he only just recovered from, and to get another one in that manner just seemed very cruel. So, obviously, some, some worries 20 minutes in. Again, Clevy Di Camona's one, it's not one that we've overly criticised, but we've always seen him as, he's a backup, he's a squad player. He can be solid enough, he's had a couple of bad games, he's had a po- couple of very good games. On the whole, you think he's someone who you can rely upon in maybe the games where you're going to have maybe not so much defending to do. Would you want him in the trenches when it's really getting tough a lot of the time? I'm not sure. He had a great game at Easter Road, but he's had a couple of dodgy ones. He did brilliantly from not obviously not just in the Rangers game, but the next game that we'll talk about as well. And it's interesting. Um, one thing with John Souter, when it's not working for him, and it hasn't been recently, it, you know, his passing's been off and he's seen as the ball player. It just all kind of seemed to go to pot. But Clevy Di Camona is very much one of these where, um, maybe in a similar way to Berra, it's very much about the defending first and foremost for him. And... Um, you really can't fault him for that and how he did when he came on for the, the 70 minutes that he played. Yeah, and, and a few weeks ago we said it was after one of his poorer games that, no, he, he's not for us. But with Suter down, he kind of has to be. And I loved his post-match interview uh, when he spoke with David Tanner on BT and, and he was asked, how pleased are you to, to get this opportunity? He goes, no, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't. I, I want the opportunity through playing playing yeah. well when I get the chance. because I don't want to yeah. It was a great, but that that's sometimes you just see it with people. There are people in life who put themselves first, and those tend to be dicks. Um, and there are other people in life who uh, have self awareness and think of others before themselves. I, I think Clevin Di Camona 
is is one of these um, people. He just seems like an absolutely super chap. He's thoughtful. He said, he, he, look, it was Suter and, and Halke. He doesn't. He, he's benefiting from a Suter injury. He doesn't want a teammate injured, and and that's the type of teammate that I think he want. And and look, he he has his moments. Um, we got him on a good night uh, when he came on against Rangers. We got him on a good night against Hibernian. He's probably likely to be. Um, the first choice alongside Halkett now with, with Suter injured, because I think what we've seen is Michael Smith um, at right back is probably our best option there. Um, we, we discussed Sean Clare wanting him to play further forward. He is now, which I like. And, and Clare's an international, not Clare, sorry, Smith's an international right back. Let's, let's play him there. So you know what you get from a guy who's played for Le Havre, Fréjus and Raphael, Sedan, Le Poix sans vie, Bourg-en-Bresse, <laughs> Platanius, it sounds like something you have an issue with your feet, uh, Bnei Sha- uh, Saknin of Israel, and, and now Hart. He, he's a journeyman. He's a journeyman. But Did you get Dagenham in there? Uh, well, yes. 2015-16, <laughs> that's right. Dagenham and Andre Just throw, it, just Don't throw it in there and amongst all those wonderful sounding French names in Dagenham. Yeah, but, but you, know, you know what's weird? In the... When you get the opportunity, then he's had, what has he had, 90 plus, 90 minus 16, because when Suter was hurt. And and he's been great. He's been absolutely great. And the fans singing his name, um, a clevied cult, um, the Jambo soldier or, or whatever. And it's all about taking the chance when you get it. That, it's, it's the same for all of us in life. When we get an opportunity, it might not come along very often for some. Um, but you've got to be in the right place at the right time, and then you've got to take it. Whether it's an Andy Thorne situation when we had four suspended going into a Celtic League Cup tie after uh, four red cards at Ibrox, Naismith, that game as well, you've got to be in a position to take it. And do we trust him between now and the end of the season? We don't have a choice. We, we don't have a choice. He's he's not Franz Beckenbauer, but he's, he's someone over the last game, nearly two games, who's been bloody brilliant. And you can, I think you can forgive a mistake because there's bound to be one. Um, but isn't it funny that these two games that he's played, he's probably played better than Suter's played a lot this season. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. weird. It's weird how that, how that happened. Because I, I feel for John Suter, I really do. And I believe it's a different Achilles this time from, from the injury the last time. And just going to hope he comes back stronger as well. Um, but he hadn't quite hit the... Out of the two of them, if I was considering one prior to his injury, uh, I'm sure you could maybe consider both, given the issues that Scotland have in central defence. I would take Halkett over Suter um, prior, to, prior to that injury. Um, and now we've got Halkett and Di Camona with Smith at right back and, and Hickey at left back. And, and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that because he's not, he's not a world-class player, but we know what he is and he knows what he is, Clevy Di Camona. And God love him for that. And on the defensive side, it was obviously well highlighted by the Murren report. What was also well highlighted was the um, was some of the training methods were being used by Hearts. But who leaked? By the way, who leaked that? We need to know who leaked that to the newspapers, because I I know for a fact that someone knew about that, and someone with no connection whatsoever to either newspapers or in football right now, and they knew about it a week before. I don't know. I don't know. But um, we could speculate. That's not, but, that's yeah. not, no, I, I know we're not going to do that. But 
that's not the type of thing that, that gets out unless there's a leak in the camp. No, um, and it could yeah, it, it could be anyone. It could be it doesn't even need to necessarily be someone who's on the playing staff. It could be someone who's no, not anywhere near the it, team. Of but course. What I was going to say though, the fact that we obviously had that St Mirren game postponed, which came quite quickly after the disappointing performance against Hamilton Ackes, you think this that could have been actually a, a big benefit for us? We, we had that kind of two week period to work on things because it, it does seem like a different team in a defensive sense that we saw. Uh, even in the game prior to that, the Hamilton game, the 2-2 draw. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the fixtures. We had 14 days to prepare between the 2-all draw against Hamilton, which was on the back of a 5-0 thumping at Celtic. Yep. And in those in those two weeks, um, we, we beat Rangers. Prior to that, I'm just looking at times that we've had a fair chunk of time. Um, this is the, between, January, the January break, really, wasn't it? Pr- pretty much. And I think it was... Tony Brown in the, the evening news pointed out that, that since the Boxing Day defeat, we've only lost twice, and one of those was at Celtic Park. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do with statistics. And I know we lost at home to Kilmarnock, and we lost at Celtic Park. We weren't that great against Hamilton at home. But you can twist statistics the way you want. With, with only two defeats since the 29th of December comes a run of, of games whereby there is momentum. There, there is that winning mentality. And for Hearts to win back-to-back games, I think is absolutely huge. Um, because you look at the results that, that Hearts have had, the last time Hearts won back-to-back games was September 2019. And that, that includes a, a kind of penalty shootout win over Aberdeen. So it's, it's a huge thing. Um, for Hearts to get these back-to-back wins and, and we have to kick on from here and not do what we did against um, the team we faced after we beat Rangers in the league and then we, we didn't capitalise. Obviously in an attacking sense, Hearts got the goal, uh, scored by Ole Bozanic. Um Again, Hearts pressing, um, causing problems for, for Rangers. Good work by Lewis Moore to take the ball away from McGregor. Um, it's interesting, Rangers just... <laughs> They played into our hands again with that. You know, we talked about maybe does Daniel Stendel have um, more than a, a plan A? I wondered if Steven Gerrard does because it, you could see it coming through a lot of the game. Rangers just had no outball, and it's maybe the fact that Morelos obviously wasn't available um, due to the internal disciplinary. Um, but really, they just kept trying to keep the ball and play it out, and we kept closing them down. And I thought. Um, I thought Edmondson looked hopeless, although I've been told by a few Rangers fans that that's been uncharacteristic for when he's actually played for them. Oh, he was brilliant in Braga. Really, really good. And he looked like he'd won a competition to pull on a Rangers jersey against Hearts. Oh, Hart. he did, he did. But I, I suppose that's credit as well to to Hearts, the fact that they they managed to... They, they yeah. managed to... I mean, obviously, we know Rangers are have been inconsistent at best, I suppose, and they're currently losing to, to bottom of the table, Hamilton, and... If, that stays the same. Hamilton will no longer be bottom of the table. But they're still Rangers and they've still got good players out there. So a lot of credit for that. And I think um, the interesting thing is before the end, I was worried because it was only 1-0. But I think if Rangers had if Rangers had snuck an equaliser, there would have been robbery, really, I think, in that game. Hearts were by far the better side. And yeah, I, but and I didn't feel that so much in the 2-1 win. I thought the 2-1 win was quite quite even, actually. Yeah, but there are there are games that you can feel more, like I said, okay, it was a 3-0 lead, but with 15 to go, you could enjoy it. With that one, it was like, oh, yeah, come on. Let's, 
let's get this final whistle. Um, not because I felt that they were going to score, but it would give them an opportunity to have more chances. It's been interesting listening to the debates since then on the team selection that Rangers had. And no Alfredo Morelos, but that was the choice of, of Steven Gerrard. Um, those in the game are saying it was the correct decision. Those that watch the game uh, as supporters are saying, well, surely you play your best players and then then you you deal with it in a in another way. So there's a there's a big split on this, but it certainly helped us. There's no doubt whatsoever that Morelos not playing and Defoe not being anywhere near 100% and Camberi being cup-tied, that played into Hart's hands. Before we move on, finally, I, I don't want to have to go into it again, but Jesus, the refereeing. Um, oh, my ha, God. Have you, I'm trying to think of a worse and more confused and all over the place 60 seconds to two minute spell the 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 hearts penalty that somehow wasn't given i mean he's got a great view of it um ball basically basketball style panned out for the corner um i i, I just don't understand how he's not seen that and given the penalty it's so clear and you see his view and he had a shocker last time with steve mclean wasn't he? he had a shocker last time that we played rangers at Tencastle. exactly and he was he was poor that day. he just had, the thing that annoys me, Laurie, in, in Scotland is that mediocrity is rewarded. It doesn't really matter. There's been one instance I can recall, and it's only because I googled uh, Kevin Clancy last night after that, and I know we'll get to it, the shocker of a challenge on Sean Clare. Um, and he had a, an awful game when he refereed Hibs against Celtic a while ago. And he just got left off the card for the next one. But Steve McLean was dreadful against Rangers at Tynecastle in the league. I thought he, I, I know it sounds biased, and I, I can normally try and watch games with the benefit of trying to see that there are two sides on the pitch and not just maroon-tinted spectacles. Um, but I thought he was woeful that day, and he gave Rangers so much. In that game at the weekend, he was just pure pish. Now, the problem is that he'll not get demoted for that. They'll, they'll not stick him to a third division game or, or whatever. They'll not make an example of him. He'll, he'll be allowed to continue his, on his many ways. Is that because we don't have many other decent referees in, in Scotland? The, the pool isn't that much to choose from? Perhaps, but honestly, I've been away 10 years now, and this, we always moan every year that the standard, we've never seen anything as bad as this. Look, it's been dreadful in the past, but they're meant to be, not professional, but they're, they're meant to do a lot more work on their game and whatever. But Stephen McLean, Kevin Clancy, Willie Collum tonight supposedly had a shocker at, uh, at Livingston against Celtic. So what, what's happened? Well, where have all the good referees gone? Are there any good ones right now uh, in the top flight in Scotland? No. Wow. <laughs> um, it doesn't look wow. like it, does it? Uh, but anyway, thankfully, it didn't have an impact on the final result. Um, although I was highly amused by some Rangers fans uh, calling out the um, blatant conspiracy against them for not um, sending off Demure for the handball, despite the fact that if the referee had been on his game, Hearts would have had a penalty and the corner would not have even taken place. Uh, yeah. and, we, and we won't even mention that Ryan Jack probably should have been sent off as well. No, it, and it's weird. I, look, I didn't think it was a penalty that they claim they should have had. I, I I'm not sure Demure could have done much, but it's weird. It's that if it's anywhere else on the pitch, is it a free kick? Probably. But the, the briefly, the the issue um, with the referee Kevin Clancy in the Hibs game, which which we'll get to, 
Naismith should have been sent off. And the, he'd already been booked. Jimmy actually pointed out in commentary, which I was aware of, and I'm, I'm not sure if you were or, or whatever, that Naismith, when he made that challenge in stoppage time. And I, I kind of think, I think referees know. I think referees know when they've screwed up. And I think that ref knew that he'd screwed up with, if he'd seen it at half time or, or whatever, um, with the stamp on, on Sean Clare. And I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but sometimes that's a yellow card. It's a second yellow for Naismith. But because the play wasn't stopped straight away, it maybe got the referee out of jail a little bit. But Na- as much as I love Naismith, he's, he can be a bit daft at times. And, and he, he could have been sent off. We can talk about Ryan Jack being sent off. We can talk about the handball um, from Edmondson. Yeah, of course, Demur should have, should have received a second yellow card. Um but it should never have been a corner in the first place because it, it should have been a penalty. Let's just get referees that are better at their job because in any other walk of life, if you keep performing like that, you wouldn't be in a job much longer. So moving on, it gave Hearts um, a lift and a bit more optimism ahead of the big Edinburgh Derby. Back to league duty on the Tuesday night. Um, two changes from Daniel Stendhal for this game. Uh, Dika Mona in for Suter, which we obviously expected. And Stephen Naismith was actually left out. The club captain uh, was out and Liam Boyce returned to the starting 11. Um, nothing controversial about the Naismith, Naismith thing and there was no injury. It was just a case he'd played quite a lot of games and they were worried about potential burnout or potentially increasing his chances of injury, I suppose, at his age and with his recent injury troubles. So he was rested, basically, for this one, especially when we've got a game at the weekend. Um, I'll start with uh, Maroon Report again, who's given us a little um, analysis, and this is more on the attacking organisation for this game, with Hearts um, employing a 4-2-2-2, if we would like to call it that. Um, And uh, Gary from the Maroon Report says, the personnel and tactical change Stendhal has implemented, particularly with the exclusion of Irving, who was the focal point of Hearts' build-up play previous um, to the team's attacking organisation, was of interest. He says, following the win against Rangers, Hearts played long balls from their centre-backs into half spaces in the middle third, the classic game of winning second balls. Once the ball has been played into these areas, uh, usually the opponent centre-backs will win the first ball, uh, undisturbed and then press him immediately winning the second ball after winning the ball they move the ball towards the goal with quick combinations and shifts into the second half space Hibbs outside center backs were particularly vulnerable to washington's willingness and movement from inside the pitch to go outside by doing this hearts can bypass the first third and the front line of the Hibbs pressing and quickly gain a lot of space the wingers played a supporting role in all of the attack schemes not only in the quick counter-attacks and contested balls, Sean Clare and Lewis Moore skillfully combined this with their defensive duties, and it's one of the most interesting aspects of the Hearts' um, performance from a tactical perspective. Um, and it's something that we we highlighted after the game, actually, what was Hearts' approach play. Again, we're, we're talking about Daniel Stendhal adapting from a defensive point of view. We saw initially there was very much the focus on quick passing, keeping the ball on the ground, not going back to front, and it obviously wasn't always working. The team maybe just didn't have that in their locker just now. So it was interesting, I thought, Mark, to see that we bypassed the midfield quite often. We we didn't try and play out from the back, which we heard was his style and was the only way he would approach it. And it was 
almost, if not entirely, but I, the main part of this I thought was down to Connor Washington, which allowed us to do that. Running off the shoulder, running running into the channels, as Gary highlighted there. Um, and I thought it was very interesting because <laughs> one of the Norwegians, who's a coach, as I mentioned over in Norway, said, I couldn't believe all these long balls. Um, is this what they normally do? Because Hearts just didn't go to the midfield. Is that because they didn't trust the midfield to play with the ball? And I was like, well, I think it was playing off the second balls. And it worked perfectly. And I I think, Mark, it was actually kind of similar. We did a very similar approach, I believe, in the Ollie Lee game, if I remember rightly, where we, where Craig Levine employed something not maybe not quite as constant as this, but played a lot of long balls into areas and just allowed Hearts to step back and pick up the second ball and then attack Hibs from the middle area of the park. And very effective. I thought he completely outdone Jack Ross last night. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting listening to the the kind of tactical analysis there, because they did what we did, and that was their downfall because we did it better than them. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about um, your friends noticing it and the analysis noticing it as well, how we were more direct, we were trying to bypass the kind of central area of the park a little bit more. That's because that's their strength. Their strength is is Doherty, Omionga, and and Allen. Now Whitaker has been playing in there and playing pretty well, but he. He went with Omionga. Allen was poor. Doherty was poor. And, and so was Omionga in there. So they were more direct as well, which surprised me. I thought they would play a little bit more through their midfield. Um, but we were more direct, which horses for courses, it, it worked. And it was about second balls. Now, Connor Washington is not the quickest guy in the world. That's an understatement. Um, but he's a very smart footballer. And when he was through on goal and, and then he kind of allowed the defenders to get back, you kind of feared the worst, but he actually used the defender as a shield to get his goal. So he, he knows what he's good at and he knows what he's not good at. So he plays to his strength. And the second balls, it was a really smart um, bit of of tactical uh, play from, from Stendhal. It, not to play Naismith. I get that. Look, if we didn't have a, a big stretch of games coming up, he probably would have played. But I think it suited us. It suited us being able to bring Naismith on. It suited us having Boyce um, play with Washington just off him. And it suited us the style of play. They went long as well. Maybe they were kind of fooled into thinking... Try to play off Dodge a bit more, weren't they? Like yeah, they, they, they did, but, but, but we did it better. So it, I was kind of thinking about this. What are they going to do differently for the Cup semi-final? Because they, they'll not get away with that again. They got outsmarted. Jack, Jack Ross got outsmarted. There's no way... He'll do that again. He kind of went with three at the back with Jackson, Hanlon and, and McGinn. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they went four at the back again. And maybe a 4-2-3-1. I'm not sure they'll play two again. I, th- I don't think those two work against our two centre-backs. I think our two relish that. I think they'll, I think they'll go 4-2-3-1. Um, they might play either a McNulty or a Dodge off the other, or they might have one on the bench. I don't think they can afford to do that again. Um, and if they do, then it's a, it's a, it's fascinating coming into that semi-final. What yeah. what they're going to do to try and get the better of us? Because we've thumped them twice at Hamden. If we beat them a third time, game's up. <laughs> um, it's obviously quite a dull first half, which isn't what we expected. Hibs, we've mentioned it. We're not going to get into it anymore. Hibs should have had a red card, and I'm pretty sure that Mark McNulty will receive um, a retrospective ban for that. But the second half. Things really opened up, and I thought Hearts never never looked back. The whole second half, I thought they were terrific. Penalty, no complaints. Um, and do you know what's good? 
we've got a penalty taker who, not to say that I was 100% sure he was going to score, but I'm confident when Sean Clare steps up to take a penalty. And it's been a while since we've had a taker that I could say that about. Yeah, it's just a shame that we'll now sell them to Rangers in the summer so they can buy a penalty taker. <laughs> who, yeah, it's, by the way, it's, it's, they're still not bloody equalised and there's four minutes left. I know. Rangers. Anyway, I sorry, know. continue. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you feel you feel optimistic. Uh, we went through a spell where we had a lot of different penalty takers and, and a lot of them missed. Um, and yeah, we've, it was a good penalty because the keeper, keeper guesses yeah, right. but He gets a little power, touch on it as well. Yeah, just enough power, enough direction. That's a good, good penalty. And yeah, I mean, super, super goal. And that, that really kicked us on. And we, uh, we we built from there. And the the second, which is wonderful goal. And do, do you know what? I'll, again, you know, I've said it briefly with the Rangers game. But I've had a go at Oli Bazanic this season because I felt he's been anonymous at times, and I didn't see what he was offering. He's not offering a driving, creative midfield masterclass. But what he's been offering is it's almost similar to the Hearts turnaround. Very, um, very controlled. You know, him and Demure playing that blocking role, which um, was highlighted by Gary as well, being solid in the midfield, but getting up when he needs to. It's, 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 it's kind of very similar to how we've developed. You know, we're not, we're not seeing him. He's not going to be a box-to-box midfielder suddenly, or be spraying seventy-yard pass here, then everywhere. But he's actually quite a clever footballer, Oli Bazarek, and that finish is, it's, it's, it's terrific. It's one of those where I love it. You see the replay. And it's going so far wide of the post when he first hits it. He's just measured it into the top corner. Wonderful strike. And I, I really hope he keeps proving, proving me wrong. Because I have to say, I'd, I'd pretty much written him off from what I'd seen from him uh, a lot of the time at Hearts. And, and the last few games, he's been really good. He's been terrific. Yeah, and Daniel Stendhal's not written him off. And that's the main thing. But he's, he's someone who... He didn't... Like a lot of players, didn't really take the chance when he got it. And he had to wait. Did he have to wait a bit? He wasn't a regular starter, put it that way. When no, no not at out. first under Levine. And then um, I think yeah. Stendhal used him initially and then he was a sub again. So, But he wasn't the first name on the team sheet. There's no doubt no. about that. And, and and right now, you, you you don't drop him. You don't drop him. I mean, again, footballers are, are simple human beings. They're, they just they want, they want their life to be as easy as possible. They want to have momentum and confidence. And things will just fall into place. And, and right now, he seems like a lovely kid. Uh, he's very down to earth. Um, again, asked yesterday about the goal. Very humble as well. And yeah, just, just let him play. Let him, let him have fun. Enjoy himself. And with, with the game at Tyne Castle, uh, getting the win there, and the, the game at Easter Road now, I think it was important that when we go back to Tyne Castle, we don't have... This first 10 minutes, everyone's on a, a kind of knife edge and there's a, a, a palpable tension in the air. That, that's not going to be there this weekend, unless Mark will score an early goal or, or whatever. But we, we have, by doing what we've done, we've given, um, we've given the team a little bit more breathing space where we don't get on the backs straight away. And it's not like they, they're scared of playing. Guys like Bozanic, they're, they're confidence players. Every footballer is. And to score that goal... That tells you a lot. It tells you that he is playing with confidence because a lot of the time you'll see players in a struggling side that don't want the ball. And if they get the ball, they try and offload it as quickly as possible or or whatever. But that was just a really smart goal from the pass in, from the dummy. 
Um, just a really, really good goal. And that told me that Hearts are playing with confidence right now. Third goal. Nice quick counter-attack. Again, Washington, smart with his run. Beat the offside very well. Uh, really crack and finish as well. It does take a nick, but I think it's mainly about the power and the accuracy of it. Really, really pleased for him because um, I don't think he's ever going to be prolific for Hart. So it showed his, his time with Sheffield United in the Championship. But he ran the channels. He ran his heart out. I thought he was an intelligent display, a hard-working display. I thought he was very good against Rangers as well. Just doesn't seem to get the goal, so I was pleased he got a goal too. Because I think if 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 he, him and Boyce can keep working together well, I think that could be an excellent partnership. Yeah, but you've also got Naismith as well um, coming off the, the the bench at the like at Easter Road, but or, or playing off them. Yeah, Naismith can play off them, I suppose, as well. Like, yeah, like if, if if Naismith's fit and, and available and no issues about upcoming games or whatever, then then Naismith starts. I just. I think we've, we've got decent options for the first time in a while. And that was pointed out by the guys on BBC Radio Scotland as, as well. Um, you, have, you have got Boyce, you've got Washington, you've got Naismith that can play in there. You've got wide areas, there's a bit of competition as, as well. Lewis Moore's taken his chance and, and grabbed it well. But as a, as a front two, um, the, there's just an understanding because I, I remember initially it was Naismith and Boyce because um, Washington, I believe, was pretty close to a move to, to Stoke. It was certainly um, spoken about in January because of the Michael O'Neill um, connection down there. And he wanted to take him down south. But for whatever reason, if it was the player, if the clubs couldn't agree or whatever, he stayed put. I'm glad of that. I like him as a player. He's, he's different. He's, he's not a, a speedy striker. He's not a penalty box, 20-goal-a-season striker. He's a smart striker. And for me, he compliments Boyce and Naismith. The question is... When all three start, what do we do? Do we have two behind one? Do we have one behind two? Or, or what formation do we kind of use? Because I think we've seen, we, we've got to be four at the back now because we don't have any any other centre-backs. So is it like a 4-3-3 with that becoming a 4-5-1? What, what do you think? So if Naismith, Boyce and Washington are fit. Um, yep. I guess, and, and all starting. I guess... If you're going to have them all, you're probably going to do it with the four-two-three-one. I'd imagine with Bozanic and Demure sitting um, one player. So maybe Washington right of the three, Naismith in the middle, maybe like a Lewis Moore in the left, or it could be a Jamie Walker in the left, and then Boyce is the main man. But obviously the three behind him will will get up and support and play off him, um, and obviously look for combinations that can open up space. So yeah, I, I think you can do it. It'll depend on the game, I think. But no, it is, it is good, as you say, to have options. I think if there's two, if, if there's two, it, for me, it's Boyce and Naismith would be my preferred partnership. But we've seen we've seen many games this season. Naismith playing a lot deeper as well. I don't mind Naismith more in the engine room um, as a, either a number 10 or playing even a little bit deeper. Uh, I, I want him more involved in a game. And if that means having him deeper and going Washington and Boyce up top to fit all three in... Then, then I find I don't have an issue with that, with him playing as a 10 or a little bit deeper. But if I can only have two from three if I'm starting um, so that I don't ruin the shape, I'd go Naismith and Boyce up front because uh, I think bringing someone on like Washington if we have a lead in a game is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure I'd want to bring him on if we're chasing. I'd, I'd prefer it the other way around to bring a, a Naismith on or someone like that. But if we have a lead... He's the perfect perfect guy to, to come on if he's not starting Connor Washington because he's so smart. 
Hebs obviously scored before the end, but no one cares about that. Um, and it was just yeah, I know it was annoying. though. it was annoying. It was, I was annoyed at the time. I was annoyed at the time because it would have been the biggest derby win for any side uh, since the nineteenth uh, of May, the cup final. If we'd held on to a three goal lead, it's still only the second time since that game in thirty that um, we've won by more than a goal against Hibs in the Derby. They've they've generally wow. been draws or a goal in it. Hibs, I think, have won four by two goals. Um, the only one before that was the uh, relegation derby at Tynecastle when when Billy King added a second late on. And Rangers have bloody well lost at home to Hamilton Ackies. Full time. Yeah, and Celtic have, Celtic have scored late to equalise at, uh, at Livy. So, so we're, we're bottom. We're bottom of the table again. Oh, Jesus. Off the bottom for 24 um, hours. Every single comment from pals of mine and on Twitter I'm reading from Rangers fans saying they are so embarrassed Rangers have officially chucked it. So, Aki's... by the way, Lever- Leverkusen could be could be a massive bet to go through. Yeah, it's um, how the hell have Hamilton have won there? But, Jesus, a good thing, you know. Home, we got a home game at the weekend. Win that, we could potentially leapfrog them and St Mirren four behind us. And we have a game at hand over Hamilton as well against St Mirren next Wednesday night. So, yeah, let's stay positive. Anyway, um, it was <laughs> yeah. Just thinking back to Easter Road. Just an enjoyable day all round. Um, it, it, it was one of those derby evenings. It just felt different. It felt special. Um, I have to say, I, I wasn't sure how what the atmosphere would be like. But you know, walking to the game, the Artisan and and Middleton, so the the pubs obviously Hearts fans will frequent before uh, these matches were were packed. You couldn't get in. It didn't feel like a midweek game, which is often a little bit more low-key because people obviously have work during the day and they have work the next morning, so it's not quite as boisterous. Um, popped into Middleton's after the game, actually. It was it was good to good to see people in there celebrating the, the Hearts songs being sung. Just a good day out, and it made the heart of, Hearts have won two league games at Easter Road in the same season for just the fourth time. Hibs have never won that, by the way. And as I mentioned on Twitter last night, um, it's our 66th win at Easter Road in Derby matches in all competitions. <laughs> and Hibs in Derby matches at their own stadium are only on 57. That's quite some record. That's quite some record. Um, anything else you want to speak about, about Hibs? What's, what's, what's just passed the, the glory of the last few days? No, I've just got to build on it. Just got to build on it, because if we go down... And we get knocked out in the semi-final of the cup. It's all a waste of waste of time. Can't just can't pick and choose which game. You can't get up for the big games. Motherwell's Motherwell's even bigger. St Mirren's even bigger than that. Every game now should be treated like a cup final. Um, and you know what? Yeah, Rangers have lost at home to Hamilton, and and that's honestly they they just belie expectations. Hamilton. Every time you think, and they get written off every single year. What job Canning and now Rice is is doing whatever they end up is it's, it's amazing but we, we we've just got to you can't worry about them there's, there's no point in thinking oh who have they got this weekend oh they're at home to Kilmarnock when we are at home tomorrow if we if we play the way we've played in the last two games we've got no issues and by the way Ross County could get dragged into it as well but if we think oh we just need to show up because we've beaten Rangers and we've beaten Hibs I think it's I think that's the message that Daniel Stendhal and the coaching staff will be putting to the players this week don't just play when you want to play. Don't just play because it's a big game. This Motherwell game is bigger than, than the two of those games. Forget the Cup semi-final. Motherwell and, and St Mirren, um, massive. And 
again, let's not do the whole would you take wh- whatever. We There are no excuses now. Motherwell might be third in the table. Uh, one in the best of form, but they've put four past Ross County tonight. So we've got to be we've got to be on on our best form. We've got to continue what we've been doing. We've got to close them down. We've got to harry and whatever because the point in doing it at Easter Road against Rangers at Tynecastle, then not doing it against Motherwell and St Johnston. So more of the same is all I would ask. Hearts fans were feeling very positive today. We had some messages from people. Um, Perth to Paisley, obviously a podcast as well, said we're having a tremendous morning. Love the pre-match arrogance coming back to bite bite Hibs in the arse time and time again. Nothing worse than a part-time cocky Hibs fan. Um, Raymond said got a bit of a dry mouth from lapping up all the salty tears of Hibs fans. Hashtag tastes good. Um, Ian White said hearts lift me like no other team and show me why we follow football. The atmosphere was uh, manic in the Gorgie suite and it was great hugging strangers as we celebrated. I also enjoyed meeting Henry Smith and Walter Kidd. Thanks, Jambos. Um, We are Scottish football, says... uh, Cannot uh, wait to get into work on Friday to hear all the excuses um, under the sun. Simple uh, fact, each player played to their capacity and played as a team and the formation and tactics were spot on and each uh, player was immense. Uh, I'm, it's not, I'm not going for Hibs where rubbish hearts were just too good. Uh, HMFC France says, I'm feeling alright, smile on my face, it's a beautiful day. Uh, our friend from Romania. Claudio Berbeche says, uh, glad and relieved hearts are back on their feet. Supporting them over the past year was beginning to feel like caring for a relative with a long-term illness. So back-to-back wins was just what the doctor ordered. Now let's keep this going. Daniel McIver says, I I can't remember the last time we played that well there. In the second half, we blitzed them. Want to single out Washington, who has a thankless job in terms of pressing, uh, harrying and running after lost causes in the system. Been great last two games and deserved his goal. And Amaruso lets it run. Says last night was the first time in a while that we'd celebrated as one solid core support. In the past 18 months, previous big results had seen slightly more muted joy due to the chief concern being the long-term lack of progress under Levine amongst the fans. Not the case now. But I guess the big message there is it's just one game. We do need to keep it going because, of course, we still have a big fight on our hands. And that big fight will continue on Saturday, Mark, as Hearts host Motherwell. And as we're just keeping an eye, of course, on Hamilton's shock win at Ibrox, Motherwell have managed to end an eight-game winless streak uh, tonight, as we're recording, with a 4-1 win against Ross County. So, not going to be an easy game, necessarily. Motherwell obviously battling for third. Um, They've got the monkey off their back with their recent bad form. Um, but Hearts, as you mentioned, last 11 in all competitions. If you want to spin it in a positive way, just two defeats, one of them at Celtic Park. Um, how do we keep this going? Is it just a case of same again? I think it's a quick start. I think we need to come flying out the box, uh, the block, sorry. And we've, we've said that before. Uh, I think the crowd has got a big part to play. I think as kickoff approaches, and I, I, I think now it's a case of, Hearts fans have just got as big a part to play as, as as the players do because if the Hearts supporters can get behind the team, and as Scott Wilson says, get right behind the team, if they can take that literally to heart, excuse the pun, um, and give the players a, a, a reception at the beginning of the game that will make them feel like they're they're on top of the world. And and they they deserve that after the win over Hibs in the week that they've had. Because the last thing you want is, is Hearts fans 
And they're perfectly entitled to, to have done so previously when we were on a, a poor run, as if to say, well, come on then, entertain us. Let's see something. Hearts fans can play their part this weekend. And I can ask for a quick start. I can ask for anything from the team. But if the, if the players on that pitch, whoever they are, know that the, the fans in the stands, and uh, let's make, hopefully Tynecastle is full, if, if they can hear that kind of reception at the start, that roar, and get off to a quick start, then Hearts fans will have played their part. So I think they're just as important this weekend mm-hmm. um, at the start of the game as the players. Do you think Stendhal will tweak things again? Obviously, we went a certain way against Hibs last night. I, I can't see him playing exactly that way. Um, Personnel-wise, you maybe wouldn't want to change much, but I don't think we'd we'd be looking at home to Motherwell to, to maybe go quite as... Um, not quite as defensive, but quite as mindful of the opposition and, and go with the diagonals. And do you think we might be a bit more creative, a bit more pressing, a bit more attacking? I'd play Meshinal. Okay. I'd play Meshinal and, and, um, and Walker and Naismith. I'd, let, I'd give Washington a rest. I'd play Boyce up front. I'd play, I'd, I'd give Moore a rest. Um, Ozanic, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, he deserves to keep his place, and I don't see why he would drop him. I just, I don't know if it needs freshened up. I don't know if, if, if same again is obvious. Um, but I, I just something different would be a, would be something I would consider. What's Meshino done to deserve it? Walker as well. Walker or Meshino. Um, and at the back, you're not changing it. You've got your keeper and your four. So, it's it's the six in front, and if I'm giving Moore a rest and Washington a rest, um, we we need a holder, so that's going to have to be Demore unless Sibic is is back from this thing. I'm not convinced by Langer at all. He's looked like a German fourth division player mm-hmm. so far. Um, yeah, just just to freshen things up, I'd like Naismith. Uh, Boyce, if Boyce is fit, Boyce starts for me. He's he's our goal threat, um, and I'd have Naismith off him. Um, Claire, yeah, he's he's on the team sheet. So I probably named twelve players there, but I, <laughs> and we've got I, I just, we've, we've got a busy period. Yeah, we've got a busy. That's the thing. That's the thing. Ahead, ahead of the weekend, uh, sorry, ahead of the midweek against St Mirren, I think I think you look. I think the team selection on Saturday has midweek in mind, in that you're not going to play the same team that played against Hibs, against Motherwell, and against St Mirren. So you're looking at where you can freshen things up. Naismith for Washington seems obvious. Um, but give them a run out because you you want players like Meshino and Walker not to get the call eventually and then to be rusty. This is where the squad comes in handy. And I, again, I haven't seen enough of Motherwell this season. I like the boy Campbell. I think he got a couple of goals um, tonight. They're a decent side. I would have preferred that they'd come into this one not having scored four and finally got a first win. And it was eight, you said. Um, but they are what they are. And if we play well, I think we'll win. Well, let's hope we do. Uh, I think we'll be back after the midweek submitting game, so we can cover both. Um, last time out, I don't think we would say we were optimistic about coming onto this show and having two wins to talk about. What do you think our chances are of uh, being same again um, this time next week? Well, I'm not going to go down that road. The road I'm going to go down <laughs> is that... No, here, here's why. The road I'm going to go down is the road of we will not be bottom of the table after the St Mirren game. 
Okay. But I'd certainly take that. Um, that would be the big first big step. Um, if if last night wasn't in Hearts turning the season around, uh, we obviously have a semi final to look forward to as well. But primary goal still keeping the Jambos in the league. Um. We didn't go through the homework from last week because we felt there was just a bit too much to talk through after the two big wins. So we will revisit the messages in regards to best opposition performances at, uh, well, not at Tynecastle, but just against Hearts. Hopefully, we don't have any to add to that list by the time we next by the time we next talk. Um, so we'll give Mark the the day off, unless he had any particular additional homework he wanted to throw out there. Nope. Nope. Okay. Cool. Well. It's been a good few days for Hearts. They are still bottom of the table, which is maybe just our luck at the moment, but still plenty of games and plenty of opportunity to turn that around. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully the positivity has been a a welcome change because we've not had a lot of it of late. Um, And in that sense, we've got to think of something to go out on, Mark, song-wise. Something positive? Um, What about Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye? Because we started off... Um, rather okay. aroused at our performances, so we may as we may as well end with a little bit of uh, okay. a little bit of naughtiness. It's yeah, it's it's a bit weird, but um, yeah. <laughs> what, what? Have you heard some of the shit that you play at the end of these? We've got <laughs> bang, 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 a bang, and all that nonsense, and bang, your your bang, bang. <laughs> whatever that nonsense song that you, that you play fine. featuring Look, X. It's fine. Apparently, oh. it was. It, and you know what? Beating beating Hibs at Easter Road is always kind of sexual, isn't it? Huge pressure kick for the Englishman. Steps up. Scores! It's goal number six of the season for Sean Clare! Delight to the Dunbar end! Ecstasy for the Jambos! Moore, cutting inside, goes back to Boyce, leaves it for Bazanic, curling shot! Oh, that's a wonderful goal! goal. Oh, what a strike from Oli Bazanic! Absolutely. 2-2 for the Aussie, that's sensational from the Hearts number 7! He sends it forward, run by Washington, he's beat the offside trap, Washington on the angle, goes for goal, it's three, it's three for the Jambos, they're coasting in an Easter road, Connor Washington with the start of the season, the seat's empty here in Leith, it's a riot in the away end, it's a rub for Hearts at Easter road, Hibernian nil, Hartman Lothian three, Connor Washington take a bow, Get up, get up, get up, let's make love tonight. Wake up, wake up, wake up.